0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunz along
1: with Deacon John Foucault coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. We are at the St. James Campus, of Stella Morris Academy. And I have to say that, you know, I mean, Deacon John, it's... It's always fun to have guests, and uh, sometimes guests are a little bit caught off guard. By sometimes it. they are, yeah. Sometimes they are, and so you, sometimes it's a guest that maybe doesn't have their act together, and they kind of forgot that they were supposed to be interviewed. Or they planned for a different day. Yeah, they planned for a different yes. day, which means that they generally didn't have their act together. It so, could be. And I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make small talk right now with uh, Deacon John. Uh, it has nothing to do with our next guest, who is... Or me. Deacon. I was here on start. Right, yes. you were on time. Yes. We, have, we have Deacon Jacob Toma who uh, thought he was being interviewed uh, tomorrow. And so this should be a very interesting interview. Uh, Deacon Jacob, uh, welcome and good morning.
2: Thank you. Good morning, Father Rich. A
1: little, and, a, a little caught off guard,
2: huh? A little bit, yeah. So I'm just what? grateful to be on the show and just ready to go. So.
1: All right. Well, why don't you, why don't you tell the listeners, first off, have, have you ever once been on Real cool. Presence Live?
2: I think I gave a little, like, Snippet one time of just like why vocations are so important to the church. Oh, sure. yeah. So yeah,
1: was it alive?
2: Um, no, it was a pre-recorded Recorded. segment. So. Recorded. It was okay. My okay. first time live, and
1: all right, and thank you for
2: the opportunity.
1: All right, well, and so far you're striking out because you didn't know what's happening today. <laughs> but anyhow, so we're gonna be kind. <laughs> let's get me easy question Jacob, first. Uh, I, what's your favorite color? No, no, know? no, no, That's no? my question. Well, I know, but I want to ask. Jeez, it don't today. Don't take it off. Oh, so. <laughs> So Deacon Jacob, Deacon John is not often my—he's not my regular co-host. No, I'm a so he's guy. a little, he's a little wet behind the ears too. So anyhow, uh, Deacon, how's it sound to say Deacon Jacob Toma?
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. Um, just introducing myself and Deacon Jacob Toma. I've had to pause a few times over the weekend. Um, I was home in my home parish, Hibbing, Minnesota, and was able to preach the weekend, and just fascinating to tell people that you've known for, like, your entire life, and just say, like, hi, my name is Beacon Jacob Toma now. Yeah. So, it's going to take well, some getting used to.
1: Why don't you tell us a little bit about your past? Just So, yeah. so, so listeners, if you're the first-time guest here, tell a little bit about who you are.
2: Yeah. So, for me, um, I grew up in Hibbing, Minnesota, so a little far up north, um... Grew up in a wonderful Catholic family, uh, went to Catholic school and all that awesome stuff. But truly, kind of my vocation began um, when I was about like five years old. So I was really into like knights nice and shining armor where I loved like swords, dragons, castles, like the whole nine yards, you know. And so one day I remember going to mass with my grandmother and there were these guys when we went into the church with funny hats and swords. And I'm like, Grandma, who are these guys? You know, she's like, oh, they're the Knights of Columbus. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, like guys with swords in church, like all of a sudden church became super interesting to a five-year-old. Um, And I would ask my grandmother questions like, Grandma, who do they fight with their swords? And when I was growing up, I had a little uh, statue of St. Michael the Archangel where he's like slaying a demon. And my grandmother said, Jacob, they fight Satan. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, like thinking that these guys with swords are like fighting the little angel that was at the bottom of my St. Michael statue. And she told me something that I'll never forget. She said, Jacob, when you grow up, you can be a knight for God and serve him. And so eventually just going through Catholic school um, and just learning that life of prayer and also just, I have two sisters who are special needs. And so just my service to them and just love for them, um, ultimately just naturally drawed me to the Lord and went into seminary after high school. And I've been there ever since. And then just one day I woke up and it was the day to be ordained a deacon. So. Just grateful to God that we're here today. So, Which
1: was just last Friday. Last Friday. So so yeah. for listeners, uh deacon, maybe explain the difference between a transitional deacon and a permanent deacon, because you were ordained to the transitional deaconate. How's that differ from yeah. a permanent deacon?
2: So what's really cool is that with permanent deacons, um, that's what we're kind of used to seeing in the parishes, right? Where it's Deacon Buchholz is actually a permanent deacon, and so it's men who have said yes to the call to serve the Church in a way that's particular to the charism of the deaconess, whereas the transitional deacon is one who is in transition to become a priest. So the first step to priesthood is you're in the seminary, and then... You're ordained a priest, a deacon. Sorry, and then after that, you're ordained a priest. So a transitional deacon is just somebody who yeah, the acuteness is not the end of the line. Um, priesthood is, if you will.
3: So you'd be ordained a priest within the next year. Is that uh, timeline-wise?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think the plan is is that it'll be in June sometime.
1: So. So here's a, a a question. Maybe this is a little bit of a test question to see how you answer it. So being ordained last Friday was on the on October seventh. Why was that a significant date to be ordained? A deacon? Yeah, in the Diocese of Duluth.
2: So in the Diocese of Duluth, our patroness is Our Lady of the Rosary. And October seventh is the date that commemorates the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. But Our Lady has also gone under two different titles in the past. Um, before Our Lady of the Rosary, she was known as Our Lady of Victory. And she's known as Our Lady of Victory because in... Oh, man. The year, like... Is it 15-something? I think
1: it was fifteen Our, seventy-one, I believe.
2: Okay. Awesome. Um, so, what's awesome about it is that there was this giant, like, naval battle between the, like, Catholic-Christian peoples of Europe versus the Ottoman Turks. Um, And so what happened is that the Christians were outnumbered, like, vastly. But what happened is that Our Lady worked a miracle um, through the prayers of the Rosary, and the Christians won, and ultimately it said that had they not won that battle, the rest of Europe would be under the rule of the Ottoman Turks, the Muslims. So, Jacob... So, yes?
1: Go ahead, no, go ahead, Father. Well, uh, now, it's a very nice no. hist- that's a very nice no, history... Deacon, that, that's a very nice history that you gave us, so that's not exactly where I was going. So, I know okay. that October 7th is the feast day of the Diocese of Duluth, but something else happened on that day that makes it so significant that you were ordained a deacon on that day.
2: It is also the date of the dedication of the cathedral. No,
1: Okay, I thought I told you something. Well, you
2: were, you it were was also you, your ordination. Yes, meditation. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. you were,
1: I was going with that. You were, you were ordained exactly 25 years after I was. I, so my 25th anniversary as a deacon was on Friday. It was. I didn't know oh. that. I thought anyone. I told you that, Deacon,
3: Deacon Jacob. Anyhow, apparently saw, not. Um, Sorry about that. Anyhow, go so ahead. So let's, Deacon let's go back to him, not your. Date, okay, I, okay, I know, I yeah. know, I know. I'm just um, <laughs> yeah, all in fun. That's good. But tell us a little bit about your experience. I mean, it, the ordination mass is—it's a beautiful mass. Um, I was there. Father Rich was there, and many, many people were there. Tell us a little bit about your experience of that. And looking out yeah. and seeing family, friends, clergy, uh, people surrounding you with love and prayers, um, you know, your your emotional aspect of when Bishop was doing the prayers with you, the you know, prostration at the altar. Give us a little bit of insight to that experience.
2: Yeah, so, if I'm being completely honest, like, he's passed and like, 96 hours since I've been ordained. It's all kind of just been a blur. Um, but, you know, there's certain things that you remember about the ceremony, uh, certain people that you remember talking to, and I would just say, like, one of the most profound moments for me was just the, um, when you lie prostrate on the marble floor, um, right in front of the altar, it's kind of this moment of, like, total surrender to the Lord, and saying, like, Jesus, you know what? I give my life to you. And I think there's like a small-t tradition of when a priest or deacon lays on the altar, I mean, lays on the uh, floor in front of the altar, that they ask for a special grace from the Lord. And for myself, I just ask the Lord for the grace of hope, to always hope in Him no matter what. Um, and so just here joy and just gratitude filled my heart from that moment um yeah so so, so
1: what was so what was your um is basically we've only got about a minute left here before break but what was the uh your first homily like i mean you gave your first homily in your home parish yeah say a little bit about that
2: yeah so it was awesome to write a homily finally not just for practice like we do in the seminary but to actually have um like a particular people in mind to just proclaim the gospel to and to just make it where it's like, um, just to make it personal, you know, and just growing up and heaven and seeing all the familiar faces and knowing the people and to be able to make even local jokes, if you will, um, that people could understand. It was just truly a blessing.
1: How long was your first homily? It
2: was no more than seven minutes.
1: There wow. we go. seven to very ten. Good. <laughs> very well done. Yes, that's great. All right, well, we're talking to Deacon Jacob Toma from the Diocese of Duluth, newly ordained deacon, and we'll continue this
0: conversation after this very brief break. Stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, And live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This
3: is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision.
0: Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. Did you know you can listen to the RPR network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing.
4: My name is Carrie Jans. I'm from Holy Angels Parish in Moose Lake, Minnesota. What I love about Real Presence Radio is that I'm able to start each day by waking up and tuning in and hearing the Word of God, daily Mass, Catholic teaching, and honest, true, real news. Real Presence Radio teaches our faith on the radio, every day, throughout the entire day, in your car, on your phone, at your job, wherever you are able to tune in. It is a wonderful way to guide you through passing on the faith to your children, grandchildren, and anyone who has questions that you might be able to tune them in to Real Presence Radio. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. Please support this wonderful radio station, Real Presence Radio, because we need to keep this on the air so that we can continue to pass on the faith and support our Catholic churches.
0: you're listening to real presence live now back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area heard right here on the rpr network
1: you are listening to rpr and we are hoping that you'll have an inspiration here with our guest deacon jacob toma from the diocese of Duluth, newly ordained deacon and we have another question
3: for you yes newly ordained as of last friday just put that plug in there last friday so deacon jacob um tell us a little yes. bit about the life of a seminarian. You're still in the seminary. Uh, it will be until you become ordained God willing to priest and you know next June, July, or whatever the time period is. but tell us a little bit about the life of a seminarian.
2: Yeah, so thank you DJ. Um
3: It's pain and suffering, isn't it?
2: <laughs> we call it uh, sanctification yeah <laughs> um, yeah, so the life of a seminarian, So there's two parts to seminary, if you will. There's the college seminary, which is kind of our first four years, and then there's major seminary, which is kind of our last four years. Um, And in that time, it's truly just a time where we fall in love with the Lord, but at the same time, we also learn more about the Lord, because you can only love what you know. And so... Ultimately, the seminary is an invitation to grow, to fall in love with the Lord. Um, So college seminary is very similar to, like, your normal four-year college university. But you live in the seminary, which is kind of like a building um, that's on campus a lot of times, and you take classes and you study philosophy as your undergraduate degree. Now, we study philosophy because philosophy helps us to learn how to think. Um, and I explained to the second graders that I teach that philosophy is kind of studying, um, like, basically just how to think. So we ask questions like, what's the difference between a cake and a cupcake, you know? Um, like, one of them's smaller, but it's made out of the same stuff. And just making like distinctions, right? Then, in major seminary, we learn theology, and theology is simply the study of God. So, with that, um, kind of the daily routine in seminary is we wake up in the morning, usually at around like six thirty or so, and then we have morning prayer and a holy hour. So we spend an hour with our Lord before the day even begins, um, because that's the most important thing in our lives. Then after that, usually it's breakfast, followed by classes. Um, After classes, we normally have mass in the middle of the day, and then we go to lunch, and then in the afternoon, um, either more classes, or we have meetings with either our spiritual director who kind of helps us discern what the Lord's doing in our lives and helps us to know how to pray. So now... We also have... Oh, go. Yeah.
1: Oh, go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt.
2: Okay. So we have a formator who's kind of in charge of, like, seeing are we living a normal, happy, healthy life? So they ask this question, like, okay, are you getting enough sleep? Are you being kind to the other people in the seminary? Are you studying well? Um, Just these like normal day-in, day-out things that we do in our lives. Make sure that we're doing them well. Um, And in the evening, we get together and we pray evening prayer in community. And then after that, usually it's dinner, homework, and then off to bed. And then do it all over again the next day.
1: Well, so no, you're so you're not in seminary per se right now. You're a seminarian, but you're not in seminary right now. You're you're at the cathedral for the diocese of Duluth as a as yep. a deacon now as a deacon. And uh, so, what's the next several months going to look like for you personally?
2: Yeah, so I'm currently in the middle of a pastoral year, um, where basically it's just time for me to able to be in the parish, get to know people, um, and to continue to grow to be that priest, that man that the Lord is calling me to be. So with that, in December, um, at the end, I'll head back to the seminary, and then I will go to the Holy Land for about a month with the other seminarians, and during that time we'll just have opportunities to pray all over the Holy Land, so... Church of the Holy Sepulchre.
1: Have you been there there before?
2: I have not, so I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, so
1: you're you're there for January?
2: Yep, and then I'll head back for my last semester in the seminary, and that last semester is kind of learning about, like, how do we pay the bills (laughs) in a church? How do we say Mass? Um, we'll learn American church history, and just really dive deep into, like, how to be a good pastor. Um, so those, like, practical things for the last semester. And then in June, God willing, I'll be ordained a priest to the Diocese so, of Delhi.
1: So there's not been a date set yet?
2: I think there's a date set, but it escapes me at this moment.
1: You better get on that. <laughs> so now, when I maybe just to reflect a little bit from when I was ordained a deacon, see how it was for you. So for me, a big part of my discernment process was marriage or, or you know, priesthood. And so when I was getting ready to be ordained a transitional deacon like you were this past Friday, that's where I was kind of wetting my pants a little bit because that's where you take the vow of celibacy. And so the, the priesthood ordination to me was kind of like, eh, you know, I mean, it's a great thing, obviously, but you know, the thing that I was most discerning and most concerned about personally was the whole celibacy thing. So, to me, the diaconate ordination was much more of a bigger deal to me, just my own personal journey. Where was that uh, mm-hmm. for you, you, and how do you, you know, I mean, you, you had, we were talking earlier about the difference between a permanent deacon and a transitional deacon, and, and one of the differences in the ordination, right, is that you vow celibacy. So, how'd that factor into last Friday and then your just discernment overall?
2: Yeah, so... Celibacy is um, for those who don't know, the priests or transitional deacons take make a promise of celibacy, which means that we'll never marry and what it does is that it's a sign for the whole world that we're totally committed to Christ. And so for myself, um one of the things in discernment that came up for me is I have a great love and affinity for the Eastern Rites Catholics, and they're they're basically, like, um, what's particular about, like, the Eastern Rites and stuff is that they're married men and become priests. And so while discerning with that and everything, um, just... Trying to decide, like, okay, is the Lord calling me to give myself totally to Him or to a family and a church? And for me, it was very, um, just very deep that the Lord wanted me for Himself. And who am I to say no to that? You know, the Lord takes our desires and everything and He makes them not only greater, but He gives us fullness of what our desires are and ultimately like in my prayer and discernment just very much that the lord was what would sustain me and he was the one who my heart would rest with
3: excellent so jacob Deacon Jacob, if someone's considering the seminary, you know, at a young age, you are very committed in in your path and in your desires and what you felt God was calling you for vocation at a very young age, Um, but if let's say someone's in junior high and high school, they're considering uh, the seminary, where would you point them? What would you give them for advice?
2: Yeah, so, first of all, I would say that it's important that you too cultivate that life of prayer, Um, even if it's just simple things, you know, like Saying prayers at meals, prayers before you go to bed, and just asking the Lord to show you your heart's desire, where, Lord, where will I be most happy in this life, and how may I serve you in the life to come? Um, So with that, it's super important to be praying, and then second of all, it's also good to reach out to your home parish priest, um, because they'll be able to... To kind of shepherd you and guide guide you along the way. Um, and then when you're ready to make a more like inquisitive um, kind of step, it's good to talk to your vocations director. And he's kind of the person who's in charge of the seminarian, but he's also just a father figure who's able to walk with you in asking the question of, what does God want to do in my life? And so, yeah. And after you meet with the vocation director, um, he'll make the discernment on whether or not he thinks that God is calling you to take that next step and enter the seminary.
3: Talk a little bit about the importance of your family and uh, where their faith is and support of you in this journey. Well, in,
1: in a particular way, uh, in regards to the fact that your dad is a deacon. That's what's leading me into Yeah, yes, maybe yeah. just to speak a little bit yeah. to that stuff. Yeah.
2: So, one of the blessings of my... Just discernment was my father was ordained a permanent deacon during my first year of seminary, um, which is just a blessing for my family and a blessing for my vocation, too, in particular because i um, getting a little ahead of myself, but in the ceremony of ordination, you have a deacon who actually vests you with the stole and the dalmatic. And so my dad was able to do that for me. Um, so just a very beautiful, precious moment that I'll always keep in my heart. But what was awesome about it was that my dad was praying liturgy the hours as he was discerning whether or not God was calling him to be a deacon. And so there were times where we'd go down by the lake and we'd pray morning prayer and have coffee. Or we would, um, at the end of the day, we would pray evening prayer together. And so it's just a blessing to have that in my life, um, in particular with my dad. But I would also say that just my family in general were very supportive of my vocation um, in a way that I'll always be grateful for. So,
1: it was very yeah. clear, It was very clear. at least watching your dad during the deaconate ordination that you had this past Friday, how proud he was. Mm, yes.
3: Mm. And mom, as she read. Yep. Yep. Yeah, your brother read as well. If I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, he yes. did. Yes. Well, it's a, uh, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward, uh, Deacon Jacob
1: Toma, to having you as a brother priest eventually here in the diocese of Duluth, and uh, looking forward to many years of shared service and ministry with you in the uh, coming years. Thank you for your call. To, to say th- yes, thank, yeah. And and thanks Thank for you. thanks for taking this interview on on, uh, on the your moment. feet and not expecting it and go back to uh, answering those um, uh, congratulation cards that you got last Friday. Yes, enjoy the awesome. rest of the day.
2: Thank you so much, Rich and we All
1: right, all right. Thank Have you, deacon. After this short break, we'll be talking to Theoni Bell about the only as- uh, apparition in the United States that's been officially approved. After this
0: brief break